This is the I Went Down to the River podcast. I'm Dan Walton, and I will sit down with fellow alums and talk about what it meant to be a part of the Hawken football program and wear the wings. We share stories of friendship, memorable games, funny moments, and how football made us who we are. You don't need to be on a bus for these tangs. Now let's go down to the river. Today's guest spent his high school career dominating the trenches for the Hawks. He was a senior during the 2000 playoff season, in which we will spend plenty of time talking about the highs and all of the fun that was had with he and his teammates. I'm looking forward to this trip down to the river with number 72 in the program, Jason Roberts. Jason, good to see you. How you doing, my man? Man, I'm excellent. Dan, good to be here, man. How are you? I am great. Thanks for asking. Um, I am uh, I am really looking forward to talking about this late 90s transition to 2000s that you were a part of because, um, as we're going to mention, you and your classmates formed probably one of the top offensive line units that our program has ever uh, been able to be blessed by and just the mentality of that rushing attack and everything that uh, our team had as an identity then. So I'm looking forward to picking your brain about some of that stuff. And uh, yeah, just want to hear all about it. So let's go ahead and start with uh, that first Hawking football memory for you. First Hawking football memory. So uh, I came to Hawking uh, sixth grade, middle school, uh, transition from Shaker. I'm a Shaker kid. So, uh, you know, I, I didn't have many expectations. I didn't play football previous to seventh grade uh, when that started at Hawking. So my first Hawking football memory is actually of Coach Larry Hauserman. Uh, short shorts, high socks. High socks. <laughs> the, the, the snapback the hat, you know, he'd throw it down on the ground, stomp on it, yell, you know, get in your face. He was, uh, that was coach, man. And uh, that was, that was literally my first, first memory of, of Hawking football. Now I'll, I'll take, let me take it back to uh, sixth grade though. Uh, transitioning from Shaker to Hawking, my parents had me in all sorts of sports that you wouldn't think that an offensive lineman would be in. Uh, I swam for the Shaker Sharks. Uh, I was on the traveling soccer team. I was on a traveling basketball team. So I was one of those athletes that was kind of surprising. Now, look at me. You wouldn't think I could ball in certain areas. Oh, I knew you could hoop. I saw you <laughs> I saw you in the gym up at the high school uh, during Absolutely. the offseason. I knew you could hoop. Absolutely. But like, like I'm saying, like, you know, like one of the little known facts about me is that Jerry Holtry really, really wanted me in that water. He wanted me in the water. He saw me swim for Shaker. Um, you know, it was one of the most humbling things I had to do as a as a bigger kid, getting that speedo and uh, getting that water. But it did wonders for my confidence because, you know, people would be kind of making jokes before I got in the water. But at the end of the race, I'd be drying off and they still be in there. <laughs> you know, it was just like, who's laughing now? I kind of got the last laugh. So, 
you know, it's funny, man. He was he was on me heavy. Uh, coach was on me uh, heavy to wrestle, Coach Hauserman. And uh, but basketball was like my favorite sport, you know. So what no was your one, stroke in swimming? What was your stroke of choice? I could, I could do them all, man. I was a really? high end guy. I was a fly guy, back, breast, free, whatever. You, you name it. I, I could do it. Well, for any of our younger listeners or people not uh, intimately familiar with uh, Hawk and Legend names, if Jerry Holtree, our uh, our swim coach, was interested in you being a part of his program, that speaks to the quality of swimmer that you were. He was my PE teacher in sixth grade, so I had no choice but to show what I can do in that pool. And, you know, he was kind of crazy on the outside, too, with the conditioning, so... The fact that, you know, I survived his PE class and came out on top in a lot of situations where we had to race, you know, I think that was, you know, I like to have a little bit of bragging rights with that, <laughs> you know, kind of turned down the opportunity. Like, you know, I, I know you Lake Erie Silver Dolphins are uh, dominant, you know, even over my shaker sharks. But, you know, it was uh, it was one of those things. It was just too much. And uh yeah, I, I chose basketball. Middle school PE class did Mr. Holtry, Coach Holtry. Did he ever break out the Holtry special on anyone? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so for yeah. for anyone who has not been graced by the Holtry special, uh, feet up on the bleachers, hand down on the uh, pool deck, and I I'm not sure how the duration of time was chosen. I'm not sure either, but he was uh, he was crazy. So I, I kind of knew from PE class that if I was even going to go down that path, I was going to have to be like borderline just nuts and out of my mind because I, I just didn't envy them. I would see them swing in the morning and afternoon. I just felt like they were in the pool all day. Like he, But he was a legend. He was the best. So Yeah, he was the best. And uh I'll just add that I started at Lynnhurst as a teacher in the PE department while Jerry Holtree was still there. And mm. I got I got to spend some really good quality years in the department with him. And he is a phenomenal teacher of all things. Absolutely. I mean, obviously the swimming piece, but just a great person and a great teacher. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, anything else to add about uh, about that? Well, Oh, kind of setting myself apart uh, in PE class, sixth grade, you know, they, Hawking had like a, I don't know, they had, we had like a soccer team and we had, uh, you know, reverse colored shirt. It really wasn't a jersey. One side was red, one side was gray. Dude, that thing was thick material. That was, was rough. Thick material. It was rough. But we played little area schools that year. And, you know, I got to kind of showcase my footwork and my soccer skills from playing on the Shaker traveling team. And, uh, you know, I, soccer was an option, too, for me. But, you know, when it came down to seventh grade and for the first time being able to put on that football equipment and strap it up and, you know, do those things. Um, it was phenomenal. Now, I'm thinking this is around what 96? Should be. It should be like 96. Yeah. So think about what's happening during that time. We had lost our football team. The Browns had gone. They were gone. So 
at the time when I'm transitioning to play football and I'm trying to look for, you know, some professional incentive or team or whatever, the only professional team that was on on Sundays in this area was the Pittsburgh Steelers. And it was so sad that I had to turn to them to get examples of, you know, the craft that I was trying to learn. And uh, it, it just so happens that, you know, I, I watched a lot of Jerome Bettis and I saw a lot of myself in him. So coming into seventh grade, like I had the idea that somehow, some way I was going to get the ball. You know? <laughs> the bus, <laughs> part two, part two. <laughs> yeah, like I, I was going to be the bus, baby. I, I, I had dreams and aspirations of being baby Bettis out there, you know, and uh, I can I can literally remember our first day uh, they telling us to break out in position groups and go where we think, you know, we have an interest and, you know, I'll go with the running back. So I tried to, and they're like, coach Hausman looks at me. He's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Where are you going? I'm like, what do you mean? Like <laughs> I'm supposed to be over here. Like, have you seen me play anything? Like, you know, and he's just like, man, your hands in the dirt. Like, let me introduce you to this. <laughs> let me, let me, let me show you where your hand belongs and will be for the duration of your Hawking career. So uh, that was my first day. Oh, that's fantastic. Talking football, you know, being humble, realizing that, uh, I guess I wasn't going to be Jerome Bettis part two. I wasn't going to be the bus, but, you know, actually getting put down in those trenches. And uh, also, that's actually the first time I met Wes Wilson. Uh, I was the biggest kid going up into that moment. And then I come out there and I'm like, who is this? You know, it's just like, really? Like, really? <laughs> so and uh and funny though it wasn't the first time I met Wes Wilson that was the first time I realized that we were in school together on the same team and that we were going to be paired together in drills and everything just moving forward that was the day we kind of became attached to the hip but uh prior to that I had met Wes Wilson I was probably six we both uh, threw shot put and discus. Uh, so I used to throw against him in the Ohio State games down at B-Dub. So uh, we have been throwing against each other for the longest of times. Uh, you know, I run into him in the summers or whatever, in the circle, always competition, always love. But, you know, uh, that was – he came to Hawking in seventh grade. I came in sixth. He came in seventh. And uh, we, we both uh, – got introduced to that offensive line as we, as we should have been. So yeah, what, that, what were you most? What were you closest uh, to him in terms of distance shot or disc? Were you able to, uh, to hang with them for a little bit? I was closest to him in shot. Okay. Uh, disc. Disc, no, he he kind of he kind of yeah. that out a little bit as we uh, as we got older, and uh, obviously with that Wilson bloodline, it's oh just, my goodness, right, Jason? I mean, I mean, his sister, phenomenal. His older brother Larry, phenomenal, and then pops. I mean, he's the 1968 champion, state champion out of Berkshire. 
you know, like let it be known. Larry Wilson Sr. was that deal. Um, you know, I had the opportunity of being coached by him. Uh, and, and beyond my four years in high school, we actually, uh, this is how Wes and I got introduced to the upper school. Uh, we actually used to get on the bus and shuttle up just to get coached to coach us while we were still in middle school. So we were constantly working on our craft, man. Uh, and I'm just so thankful for all of the tutelage that I got from him. He coached me like I was a Wilson man. The, I mean, the middle school throws coach situation was sometimes inconsistent it, at best, it right? Inconsistent at best. It was kind of self-taught. Like, hey, there, yeah. here's a school. Uh, maybe not a cage. I don't know if we have net up or what. Try not to kill anybody, but you no know. slide, no spin. Uh, maybe, maybe a little encouragement to add a little grunt in on the uh, yeah. follow through. <laughs> yeah, so it was super shaky. So, in order to kind of uh, make the best of that situation, we just took the bus and went up. Man, it was it was the best thing. My dad used to work at Chardon, so he just you know he used to pick me up on the way back back from work, and uh, you know Wes would leave with his dad, obviously, and. Uh, you know, we got to get some work in and Larry would be coming home from UVA, uh, you know, uh, just just blessed to to have been coached by by such a tremendous guy. For sure. That is cool. I did not know that you and Wes were taking the shuttle up to uh, to take yeah. advantage of that resource, man. That's pretty cool. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Jason, as you. Um, as you finish up your middle school time at Lynnhurst and you move on up to Gates Mills, um, coming up as a uh, early member of the football program, was there an upperclassman or a group of upperclassmen that uh, had a had an impact on your growth, whether it be as a player or just as a student? Uh. Well, my first experience at the upper school, I think we went up as a team, had our jerseys on, and, you know, I was probably playing catch and running around. You know, I, I definitely thought I was a skilled player in a lineman's body. Uh, <laughs> he couldn't tell me otherwise. But um, not really watching the game, but listening to the game. I remember – hearing Daryl Butler's pads crack and crunch and explode every time he hit somebody. And I just, I was addicted to that sound. I was addicted to the contact. You know, I just wanted to make, be a player that uh, was able to make that same sort of physical impact on the game. So that was something that I I saw early, early, you know, before I even got up there. Um, was that your eighth grade year coming up and I seeing Daryl or was that your seventh? I'm trying to think. It was, uh, it was seventh or eighth. It was one of the two. And yeah. Daryl was I, my classmate. And Daryl okay. was one of the more physical players we've had come through. Mm -hmm. And uh, what a great player and an even better person. Daryl's yeah. uh, good people. And, and I just remember him walking by me and thinking how big they were. Like, it was just like, like, I just, I was just like, I can't wait. You know, I just, I couldn't wait. And uh, that was kind of like my first impression of high school football. And then uh, coming in, um, 
it was it was it was weird. I, I kind of I kind of gravitated towards Ahmed Roberts. Um, we had the same name. He was a senior that year. He lived right around the corner from me, uh, right off of Chagrin. I lived on Van Aken and Shaker. Um, sometimes he would just carpool with me, uh, you know, just because he's around the corner and it was easier for us to just grab him. Um, I had a great relationship with their family and he just kind of he just kind of took me under his wing as a senior, um, even though he didn't have a big role um, on the team. It was just how he kind of bridged that gap between him and the other guys uh, just vouching for me and, you know, making making me feel like I was, you know, welcome and I could hang with the older guys. You know, he kind of claimed me as his little brother, especially with us having a last name. And uh, he helped kind of bridge that gap for me. So Ahmed was very key for me. Uh, again, Larry Wilson Jr. Uh, coming back was very key for me. Um, definitely looked up to him. I just heard he was a beast of a defensive end and just athlete. <laughs> he, he was a year ahead of me. He was uh, He was so talented. And he was such a matchup issue on offense and then defensively so long and uh, just a nightmare for offensive tackles to try to pass that and keep him out of the backfield. Absolutely. Um, I, I have a list, man. Your, your brother, Jeff, uh, he was, I believe he was captain his junior year, which was my freshman year. Uh, so, being a captain as a junior, I mean, that just it just kind of speaks for itself, like his work ethic uh, to be able to get in that position and be a leader on that team that had so many names like Billy Brown, Ben Sands, like Justin Goggins, who was actually my cousin. I didn't find that out till I was at a family reunion, maybe sophomore or junior year. Get out of here. That we are actually cousins. So me and Justin Goggins, Goggins, you know, uh, Kirk Lintern. <laughs> yeah, the center. The center. Like as an offensive lineman, I probably looked up to him the most just because of his energy. He just loved talking football, man. He bled it. And he had an interesting combination. He was like starting center and Mike linebacker. So, you know, uh, I actually got probably the way that he approached film and just studying the game. He was able to call stuff out. Um, wasn't the fastest guy, but the way he knew what was coming uh, and, and he used to make tackles and scream out, hog time! He was just <laughs> was the funniest thing. Just He was so goofy. Um but but I loved him. I loved being around that sort of energy. He was just always fired up, ready to be out there um, and try and make a difference from where he was at. Um, I think it was Roger Moore. I'm trying to think of that line. Yeah. That no, Roger Moore was his classmate. Yeah. Roger Moore. I remember Roger. Um, oh, another thing. <laughs> Okay, so fresh, so freshman year, another big experience, uh, you know, coming in the freshman year was, you know, getting new kids that 
you know, you necessarily weren't in middle school with. So coming into high school football, you don't necessarily know who you're going to get from other schools because, I mean, it's Hawking, you know. So people come at different times. People leave at different times. You just you just never know. So um, we got Arun Koda in uh, ninth grade. And I remember there being such a buzz about me and Wes coming up from the middle school. Coach Brandt was down there. He's like, yeah, y'all got the big boy. I'm sending the big boys up there. And I just remember it being like a target on our backs in camp, man. Like in two days, like, you know, cause everybody was kind of talking about us, but the, the older kids are kind of like, you know, I know you guys are big, but like, this is our team, you know, so you guys are going to have to earn it. So Camp was, I felt like we had a little bit of a bullseye on us in camp because, you know, of that buzz that we had. And like I said, we were taking that shuttle up there. They were kind of seeing us in the weight room and, you know, throwing with coach. And, you know, so we had kind of made our presence felt at the, at the upper school before. But I think the message that we got when we got there was that, you know, nothing is given. Like everything is earned. I don't care how big you are how good people think you're going to be. Uh, they were still trying to kind of establish that pecking order when we got up there to keep us humble, um, which I definitely appreciate. We definitely came in there, uh, you know, leaning on our size a little bit. Uh, and our, in our youth, you know, we, we probably were a little bit big-headed coming in. And, uh, but, you know, I, I come in and I'm thinking, you know, Wes is like, to this day, Wes is the best player I've ever played against. So if you ask me that question, I'm going from seventh grade, Wes Wilson is the best player I've ever played against. And I had to line up against him every day, all day. And I, that's probably how I ended up getting good myself, just having to deal with him every day. Quality against quality gets you better, right? Iron sharpens iron. Iron sharpens iron. I was just going to say that. That's uh, assistant coach Ed Suggs currently on our staff. That's one of his favorite quotes. He will drop that thing almost weekly. And it is the truth, isn't it? Truth is the truth. And, uh, you know, coming in, I'm thinking like that's probably I'm going to be competing with him maybe for a spot because, you know, looking across the offensive line, they had a couple opportunities my freshman year. Uh, nothing was kind of set in stone, even though, you know, they had some guys up front. But in comes Arun Koda, uh, full beard. And top three smile, maybe, in Hawking history, huh? And, and top three smile, but full <laughs> full beard as a ninth, I mean, beard. 14-ish, maybe? Maybe. Maybe. You know, <laughs> I mean, two plates off the back. You know, 225 in the weight room. He's looking. We're like, who is this kid? Like, who is this kid? So as good as Wes Wilson was, as good as I was, you know, Arun actually won the starting guard position as a freshman over both of us. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I am thankful for that level of competition. And uh, like I said, that humble pie, man, like getting beat out by somebody that you didn't even know existed, you know, uh, a few seconds ago. And, uh, you know, him coming in. And I, I felt like um, talent-wise, um, it was kind of up for grabs, but I felt like he had a way better knowledge of the game and the position of guard. Um, I didn't know I was supposed to be pulling, 
Um, coach. Middle school offensive line play to varsity offensive line play is a significant jump. It's a significant jump. I didn't know anything. Coming I mean, you're setting screens in middle school, yeah. right? Just get in someone's way and let uh, the, maybe the most talented or fastest player get past you. And that's it. And that's it. And I, I didn't know the plays like that. I, I I didn't understand. And it was funny. I was doing like a, a, I think it was like a punt return turn drill. And I was dominating, uh, you know, whoever was lined up against me. I think I, they were, I was putting them down every time. Like <laughs> I was just, you know, they were trying to get past me. But every time I made contact, I was putting them down. So coach threw me in there. He's like, hey, like, jump in in that guard spot. Like, let's take a look and see what we got because, you know, this kid's really thumping. And um, I just didn't know what to do. It was probably like a trap. I didn't pull. I got somebody killed. He's like, get him out of there. He doesn't know what he's doing. And I was just so embarrassed. Like, I blew my shot. I probably had a shot to make varsity right there. And I just, like I said, I didn't understand the plays. Um I, I really needed that year to play JV to get in that playbook to, um, you know, really develop and and see what I was working with, um, you know, going forward. But uh, also, like being, you know, the second biggest kid to West, they kind of put us on opposite ends. They put me. That was they put me in tackle. So you know, I wasn't even. I didn't even know I was guard material yet. Um, just based on where I was playing and how they were playing me. But, um, you know, you, you want to know why that was is because our philosophy up front through the eighties and the nineties, and it didn't change until probably a little bit after you is put your bigger, really strong run blockers on the edges because we were such a run focused team. And then get your possibly undersized, quicker guards that are going to pull and lead around the edge on your outside plays and quick traps and things of that nature. Um, but thankfully, uh, you got a little time inside at guard uh, before you graduated because that was a great spot for you. And I'm going to definitely talk about how that transition came about. Um, so, well, we'll get there. We'll get. Yeah, there. we can get to that later. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to jump the gun yet. But, uh, yeah, just that my freshman year, since we're on freshman year, uh, our JV team went undefeated that year. I'm not sure if you, you knew that or were tracking that. Did not. But uh, we had some we had some guys. I mean, that's when we really saw, like, me, Wes. Um, the sophomores were, like, Kyle Knox. We had Nick Carreras. Um, so we were like big up front, like, you know, these, they're like, okay, like this, you sure this is the JV team? Like when we would step off the bus, you know, and then we had Roth was, was showing early flashes. Uh, we actually, we had a kid that letter, uh, he got his varsity letter our freshman year, but he left after our freshman year, Jeff Milsom. Yeah, that's right. Jeff Milsom was I remember a hearing about him. He was a beast. He ended up going to a prep school in New York somewhere. And he was a beast. I mean, he played all the special teams. He might have been a 12th man our, our my freshman year. So talk about somebody who had caught the coach's eye, like, and was given that responsibility at such a early time. Like, 
Jeff, Jeff was that guy. And I mean, I, I just remember teams having a lot of problem with us. Uh, I think we went six on one. I think we tied our last game. <laughs> we tied our last game and uh, it was like 20 to 20 or something like that. But I remember beating like Richmond Heights 50 to nothing. Like we were just showing early flashes of, of what was going to. Oh, come. for sure. Yeah. So here's the thing, you know, freshman and JV offensive defensive lines, it's not out of the ordinary to see some size up front, but to see the size with the skill that those teams had for the Hawks, that, that was the different story right there. It was, it was crazy. It was crazy. And uh, I remember, I remember practice actually getting chippy too. Like as our confidence started to grow throughout the year, we were kind of challenging some of those guys. I mean, you know, I listened to Sean Powell's interview. I mean, he 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 mentioned us, man, because he, he remembers like in practice, we used to try to get those guys a run for their money, man, because we would be playing scout and they say, hey, let's give them a look. But you know, like when you're when you're a dog on a scout, like they're like, hey, you can't block this guy. Like, let's give him a look. So I would always try and like do a little bit extra on scout to try and really like make it hard for those guys or you know give them those game time situations um or or just you know just 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 try and give people a good look so they can prepare like the more you prepare you know like you gotta you gotta practice how you play coach was very big on that like he he did not like half speed stuff and i mean if, if you were gonna play you're gonna play and uh I actually remember getting destroyed my freshman year early, early. Darnell Hill. I Is he on the D-line and you were trying to stay in front of him? I had the unenviable task of trying to block this kid. Like, And, I mean, I used to laugh when teams would think that they could have, like, two or three-yard splits with this guy. Like, he was a wrecking ball. And he didn't need a lot of room. No, one of the quickest get-offs on the D-line that we've ever had. I mean, it was like he he knew what the snap count was because his get-off was impressive. And you talk about iron sharpening iron. I felt like just having to deal with him every day was a task in itself. But, uh, yeah, uh, skipping, a, skipping ahead a little bit, uh, I knew – I knew when uh, we were making it tough on those guys in practice, you know, and coach would start getting mad, like, what's going on? Like, why can't you handle these? You know, I started to see the the tables turn a little bit, you know, and we started to play guys, you know, a little bit tougher. And then for the offensive line, when you talk about KOB, king of the boards, baby, like it, it was something that, I'll never forget uh, it's something that we didn't do in middle school, but it's something that we definitely did. Uh, as soon as I got to ninth grade, uh, you had this board, kind of put it down. You got one guy on one end, another guy on the end. It's mano y mano, mano y mano. And it was low man wins. Keep your feet driving. Good base, it. right? That's it. And uh, I, I remember us getting handled a little bit, you know, to to start 
but like I said, towards the end of the year, I just remember we were we were kind of the ones, the last one standing, you know. So we 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 definitely made some some strides um, that year, and uh, I think even Wes had 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 worked his way um, into some goal line situations. I think he actually earned his varsity letter our freshman year as well. So between like Jeff Nelson, maybe Matt Roth, um, where I was playing special teams, um, a room that was starting, I believe, right guard and Wes getting some, you know, goal line situations and uh, filling in in some places. Um, he, he earned his uh, his varsity letter our freshman year. So I, it was just like I said, it was just a telltale sign of things to come later on and that that early experience was just super valuable for those guys who was your offensive line coach when you started up at the high school I feel like it was coach Moses yeah because I think I was right when coach Davis was transitioning to middle school with coach Brandt I never got coached by coach Davis that's yeah so that would have been the timing of it okay I I had him for a senior year math class but other than that I never was coached by he had ju- he must have I, just I have switched as you arrived <laughs> to junior high, uh, helping out with uh, Coach Brandt. Yeah, and uh, I, I'm I'm curious, man. Like he he probably missed us, man, because I know he would have loved to work with us, man. The Mad Dog, come on, man. Like I heard stories about him. So what a, he was a teacher of just technicians. He mm-hmm. he taught math and football the same way. There were no shortcuts. There was no hey, let's pass pass by step one so we can get to step two. It was – everything was sequenced correctly, scaffolded correctly, and uh, his, his offensive linemen were always so um, disciplined in their approach. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that would have been uh, – that would have been a match made in heaven, man. But uh, we definitely got our work in, though. Um, Definitely students of the game. Coach Moses was very meticulous as well. Uh, I remember I remember him being very hard to please no matter the outcome. Like it could, it could be the most vicious pancake in the world. If I took the wrong steps, if my head wasn't full, <laughs> if my split wasn't right, if I was sitting too far back in my stance, if I was tipping off the fact that I was maybe pulling. Uh, I mean, he was on me. He was on me. And I mean, it was just that level of meticulousness that really made us work on our craft and clean that type of stuff up because he's like, you know, there will be a time where somebody just as physically gifted as you is going to be across from you. And it's going to come down to that technique versus that gift that you were blessed with, you know, and he always drilled that in us. So I'm very thankful for that with Coach Moses. So when you were, when you were an upperclassman or senior specific, then, you know, you spoke about some of those names that um, took you under their wing. And I, and I love that, you know, you mentioned, you know, Ahmed Roberts and his role on the team and being a leader or being, caring or loving to an underclassman has nothing to do with your ability it's all about the type of person you are and clearly you clearly you have a special spot in your heart for Ahmed when you were a senior now um 
what was your approach to the to the underclassmen as far as trying to make sure that they got sort of that similar treatment um, that you did as you arrived? Uh, I honestly just tried to bond with my guys, man. Like, I don't know, just coming from an offensive line standpoint, uh, we just used to do stuff together. Um, <laughs> it's weird. Um, I just used to, and, and not just the older guys and the younger guys, but like, we just used to try and mix it up, man. Um, I remember riding my bike, um, over to Nick Carreras' house just to see him make jerky. Like he used to be dehydrating meat for days. And I just used to be over there waiting and his dad would cook the best spaghetti that would take like 72 hours to make. And, you know, he'd be throwing the wine in there and everything just authentic, <laughs> you know, spaghetti. Like we would just uh, get up as a unit and hit Coventry. We would go to Mongolian barbecue and see how many bowls we could. Wasn't eat. that the spot in high school? I mean, anything that was a buffet style and you had control I'm over as a unit, we would get together and see how many bowls we would put away. It would be a contest, like, you know, and if coach found out, he would probably kill us because he wanted us, you know, slim and mobile and ready to go. But, you know, it's too good to turn away from. I'm telling you, and it was those moments that really brought us together off the field. So we tried to just kind of show the younger guys that, like, you know, just show them our cohesiveness and, you know, just our our common goal, just coming off that junior year, that was really tough for us, um, where we felt like we underperformed. Um, we just, as seniors, we just wanted to make it clear that we were going to do everything in our power to show who we were and who we were supposed to be. And uh, it started with each of us individually making a commitment to the program and uh, doing what we had to do to take care of our bodies, uh, whether that be switch up our diets, get in that weight room. Uh, I was playing summer league basketball. I was caddying, uh, double bagging, double A caddy uh, over at Shaker Country Club. I walk across the street. Uh, Scott Rostin behind his house is the country club. Uh, you know, that was my first job as a 14-year-old. So I had you know, coming from where I came from, you know, I had to work a lot, you know, and a lot of people, you know, don't have the same circumstances at Hawking. Everyone isn't blessed with, you know, the same financial position. So, you know, I've had a job since I was 14. You know, I had to go, you know, caddy and figure it out and, you know, try and get some extra dollars in the summer. But, you know, at the same time, carrying two bags that are 80 pounds each for five and a half miles, like it was a different sort of conditioning. So I felt like I was always coming into camp ready, uh, just based off the strength of what I was doing in the summertime. You know, I might not have hit my power seven as hard as I, I should have, you know, or uh, I felt like my measurables weren't where, you know, a lot of people expected them to be. But I don't know. I just felt like I had some grown man strength from what I was doing, uh, you know, just to make those ends meet. But, uh, you know, we all made that commitment, though, to get in that weight room, um, to run, to shed the weight. Um, 
Coach wanted us mobile. Like you said, mobile guards are the key to that wing T offense. And, uh, you know, our junior year, uh, both Arun and I were heavier than we should have been. But, you know, we were both coming off significant knee injuries as well. Uh, Arun tore his ACL halfway through our sophomore year uh, during the Perry game on that horrendous turf. I hate that turf. I hate Perry. I hate that field. Uh <laughs> And, uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that was a tough game. A room going down that game uh, while we were getting thumped the way that we were getting thumped. Uh, that, that was a tough game. I don't remember crying uh, about too many games, but I think I cried at the end of that game uh, just out of frustration. Uh, we had a stretch there where I think we had played U.S., Aurora, and Perry, and – it, it was just bad that sophomore season. Uh, yeah, it was just bad. And then losing a room, uh, that was when I got moved from left tackle to right guard. Um, so that's actually where I made the transition to guard, just trying to fill in for, for my brother. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it, it was, that was, that was tough, man. But uh, he was coming off that, that ACL injury and I had actually, Whatever, whatever, uh, whatever stress or strain is the, the worst thing you do before you tear it. Uh, it was my MCL and PCL. I was playing summer league basketball. Coach McGregor had opened up the gym. Uh, we were going out to Euclid three days a week playing summer league basketball, but he did. He had open gym on Sundays. So I was coming up there, still working on my craft with basketball. It was my favorite sport, but it was my worst sport. Um, so I felt like I, I was having to work a little bit harder to get some time on the court. And uh, one of my teammates left his – we went shirts and skins, and one of my teammates had left his jersey on the baseline. I do an in and out at half court. I'm going. I get to the rim, lay up. I'm looking back to see if it goes in and just slip my body goes one way my leg goes the other and uh yeah uh mcl and pcl uh this is like late july you know early i was about to go into two days and you know i had the big knee brace and you know i stopped running stopped playing on it um i don't even think i started camp that year um i was still trying to heal it uh, that's the first time I figured out how my metabolism worked when I wasn't working out, uh, <laughs> got on the scale, uh, that year for coach. I believe it read like two eighty nine two ninety, And he just coach your dad didn't have to say a lot to me, man. I'm, I'm not, I'm not one of those people that, that needs a lot of talking to. It was just the way he looked at me. Um, he just shook his head. Like, he just shook his head. Like, I can't believe you, you know? Like, you know, he just felt like I let myself go, you know, when I got hurt. And uh, like I said, I wasn't a, I wasn't aware of my nutrition and, you know, how my metabolism worked and all of that. I just, I went from playing, you know, being a three sport, you know, year round, you know, guy to sitting around with his knee brace 
going to Mongolian barbecue with the guys and you know the the pounds came came packing on real quick so as far as our mobility as guards our junior year we just didn't have it we didn't have it and uh I think it severely impacted our ability to execute um our bread and butter which was the traps the powers the the, G, the g's uh we just we just didn't have it um the back was beating us to the point of attack because we were slow uh we were just carrying too much weight we're trying to get over these knee injuries carrying a lot of weight uh just not the formula for success right uh, i think we took it personally um that we had kind of showed up like that and had that result our junior year because we were supposed to be better than that. I know we lost a bunch of close games that year, uh, two points, three points, maybe four points uh, here and there. But I, I felt like if uh, if those injuries hadn't happened or, you know, if we were, you know, what we were normally, uh, you know, meant to be, then, then that year wouldn't have went how that went. But uh, lesson learned. Yeah. So that junior year, your record is not anything that you guys, you know, sort of set out or thought was going to happen. But like right. you said, there were definitely some close uh, contests. There were plenty of uh, games in which the uh, differential in points was a single touchdown or sometimes even less than. Um, so, so while the sub 500 record, uh, just, it leaves a bad taste. There was definitely, um, a closer, um, closer competition in all 10 games than that record would suggest otherwise. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, uh, just going out like that, having a season like that, uh, yeah, it, it lit a fire. It lit a fire. I, I can't lie. Uh, it lit one under Roth, uh, under Fry, under myself, Wes, Arun, um, Mike George. We, we, we took it personal, man. So um, talk about having a gut check. Gut check yeah. time. Yeah, you need one sometimes, but uh, clearly you and your classmates uh... – you weren't happy with how that junior season went. And so, you know, the time will come when we'll get a little bit more specific about the senior games, but uh, you guys definitely uh, changed the course. Absolutely. Um, before we get into a couple of uh, specific game uh, memories and highlights that stick out, um, I want to ask you this because we're this there's gonna be plenty of conversations similar to this as we're talking about the memories and things. Um, and that is, you know you you were a part of such a dominant rushing attack during your career, especially you know the last two seasons that you were strapping it up for the Hawks. Um, what was it like to play offensive line for an offense that was geared to be so run dominant? So you can focus on just offensive line. Generally, you could speak specific to guard or tackle, but to know that the majority of the play calls that were being sent in were being done so 
because of our strength up front with you and your teammates and kind of how that felt. And then you can talk to from a specific play standpoint, what it's like to be down there in the trenches, not much room in between everyone. And just with that mindset and that grit. It was a rush. Let me tell you, it was a lineman's dream. What? We get to go man on man almost every play. I mean, it just, I couldn't ask for a better situation to be in. Um, it's, it's just funny, man. And like I said, things work in, in funny ways. Um, you know, a room getting hurt, that was the only way I found out that I was actually any good at guard. Um, that sophomore year, we ended up going six and four. Um, but my the first game that I played guard in was that Newberry game against Justin Yates. That was a back and forth affair, wasn't it? It was. And uh, when I tell you we couldn't stop that kid, we couldn't stop that kid. But on the other hand, they couldn't do much with us either. And I just remember your dad calling counter after counter after counter <laughs> after counter. And they couldn't stop it because I just, I don't know, every time I would kick out the end, I was getting a pancake. I was destroying whoever was coming across there and we were getting some, some yards from it. And I remember them having a, a, a huge kid, a huge kid, defensive tackle. And uh, he, uh, we knew he was going to be aggressive and uh, Jeff, Jeff hit him with a hard count. He jumped and that's how we got that two point conversion. Uh, we, uh, you know, moved it down to the, to what, the one and a half or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. I don't know if we, we jumbo jammed it, jumbo jam. I, I think the, uh, I think the story that I heard was it was Jim Dempsey over the top, a little like fullback smash, fullback dive. And he took it and just kind of tried to dive over the pile. Okay. And, and I don't, I don't know if he did that on a jumbo jam though, because he usually was the fullback in that situation. Um, he was, uh, yeah, he usually was the fullback in that situation, but, uh, you know, I don't know, like that, that game in itself, it sold me on the guard position, uh, pulling so many times, getting a running head start to just demolish somebody. That yeah. So that's, that's what I want to ask you. So trap and counter for you. Um, the way we called counter, very similar block for you. Pull down the line, kick the end man out, whoever we let rush up the field and think that they got to play. What is that like to take that open drop step, come down the line and see that unsuspecting D lineman and just connect with them? What was that like? Changed my life forever. Tackle was so boring, Dan. It was boring. I'm on <laughs> blocking whoever's in front of me, maybe making it to the second level every once in a while. It was boring. It was boring. It was boring. When they put me at guard and gave me- It's a little me, more violent at guard, doesn't it? Oh my gosh. They gave me a running head start to seek and destroy. I was, I was sold. I'm like, this is, this is it. This is it for me. And like I said, having that footwork, 
you know, from basketball and soccer and being mobile. Um, I was probably one of the faster, bigger guys, um, you know, that we had just because, you know, the amount of running that I had to do for basketball and stuff like that. It just I felt like it gave me a little bit of advantage in that position um, where I had the size and the agility to get it done. And uh, it, it changed my outlook on the offensive line, man. It, it made me it made me want it. And I don't know. I just I, I ended up getting all conference uh, my sophomore year at that right guard position. And uh, that was the only time I actually ever played next to Wes. Um, that was the only time I ever lined up next to Wes. So uh, that right side, we were we were getting some money that uh, going forward. And you you know what's so awesome, Jason, is when a team has a guard of your ability who comes down the line and just brings the violence to the party. Mm. That's it. You run it a couple times, and then you start seeing that defensive player run himself out of the play so he doesn't get blocked. Or yes, yes. <laughs> he's or making bit, he's making life decisions. Listen, and... Tapping that helmet, asking for that sub, like yeah, it's different. <laughs> It's different. We 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 relish that contact, you know, that violence, like you said. And uh it was a it was a mentality and uh it was something 100%. that I brought up. I used to wear this shirt uh on the back, it said just plain nasty. It started off, it was an old Tower City shirt that I used to sleep in. My mom used to work in public square, and I had this shirt since I was in first grade. I cut it up and I wrote just plain nasty on the back because I saw that's how Greg Lloyd approached the game, you know? And like I said, I was always watching those Steelers when we didn't have a team and I was learning how to approach the game. So I took that just plain nasty mentality and I really embedded it into my game. You know, I wanted to be the nastiest lineman, you know, I wanted to finish you. We wanted pancakes. We wanted to. We wanted dirt on your back. We wanted, and we wanted to lean on you all game. We wanted to let you know from the start it was going to be a long day for you. No plays off either for that guy across the line from you. No plays off. It, we were coming all day, all day, and uh, you know, being with those guys up front and seeing their commitment to the conditioning side of things, like being able to do what we did all game long. I, for big guys, we were superior athletes. And I don't care what anybody says, but we were built different. Um, because a lot of those teams, even on the Saturday games, like they would be cramping up, they would get tired, they'd be gassed. And they just, the it felt like the more the game went on, the stronger we got. Just because we had that different level of conditioning, you know, running those fourth quarters, and uh, doing that, doing that extra stuff that we did, like it just, it just set us apart. And uh, yeah, it, it, I don't know. I just love, I, I didn't think I would, you know, like I said, coach, coach Hauserman broke me down and made me put my hand in the dirt, but I'm so thankful for him, you know, making me do that because I was, I was good at it. I was good at it. Well, and if you're a defense playing against our offense and you're being asked to have a physical interaction every play for four quarters, 
Yeah, you might be able to hold up for a quarter. You might be able to hold up for a half. The really good teams into the third, you know. But to do that for four quarters and know that you're going to be getting kicked out, you're going to be getting doubled, you're going to be getting uh, down blocked on, countered, and it's uh, it's a tall task. A tall task, and I'm talking getting doubled by a room coda and Wes Wilson. Come on, man. Me pulling around Wes. Come on, man. It's, it's There's not no getting crazy. through that. There's no getting through that. And you might get around it, but the play's already past you. Way past you. <laughs> so it was, we put people in a lot of compromising positions, to say the least. So, Oh, that is fantastic. I knew I was going to feel it going through my body when you were talking about coming down the line and blocking oh, and just getting, getting your, uh, getting your observations and your opinions about playing guard and pulling and stuff. I, uh, I got a smile listen, on my face as I'm listening to this. Listen, man, I, I relish the, I listen, when coach tell, he used to tell us to relish the opportunity. I used to relish the opportunity to completely take people's spirit. Like it was nothing like knowing exactly what was coming at you, but not being able to do anything about it. And that was the mentality that we had. You know it's coming. You know what we're going to do. You know it's coming right here, but can you stop it? And nine times out of ten, the answer was no. They couldn't do anything with it. So, you know, having that vote of confidence from Coach um, and the rest of the team, like knowing that everybody, and I mean everybody, it wasn't just Roth, but everybody who got the ball behind us was was getting some positive yardage at at chunks chunks at a time so you know we tried to we tried to open up the alleys man and give a lot of people a lot of green pastures to just do what they did and uh we did we we made it personal man we made it personal so it was a special group man yes it was that was uh that was fun football to watch there and i'm sure even more fun to uh play and be a part of there for you and your uh, teammates um some specific games or moments prior to your senior season. So any uh, any games, junior, sophomore year, anything that you want to spotlight that you haven't had a chance to just mention? Well, freshman year, um, I remember the Kirtland game. They were like, I want to say seven and two. And maybe trying to get into the playoffs. Um, they had a monster lineman by the name of Rob Turner, the biggest person I'd ever seen in my life at that time. Uh, Went and played at Purdue, right? He played at Purdue. He was uh, Drew, B- Drew Brees' guard and uh, eventually center. Uh, won the Big Ten. <laughs> Ended up uh, losing a Rose Bowl to Washington. But, I mean, this is what we were dealing with out of Kirtland, you know. And uh, I remember them being the heavy favorites. It was a home game. Uh, We were – I want to say we were like five and four. So, we were trying to not go 500, go out on 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 a winning note. And uh, that team came together and knocked those guys off, man. I think that was the real start of the Kirtland rivalry. Uh, you know, upsetting them that year, stopping them from going to the playoffs. Uh, 
I'm not sure if they still won the conference that year. Maybe they did, but they didn't get to go to the playoffs, and that's all we cared about. We played spoiler because, you know, everybody was talking down in the papers, you know, thinking that they were going to drag us and they were going to be playoff bound. And, hey, game, set, match. We had other plans. So, you know, take that with you to Purdue is what we yeah, told Yeah, right. <laughs> Carry that one with you to West yeah, Lafayette. Take the, yeah, take that L with you. So, um it was, it was funny because I was kind of vicariously living through a room that game. I'm just like, you know, how is it against them? You know, the kids, you know, he's like, man, this kid is tough. But, you know, that's just a, a testament to a room, too. Like, as a freshman lining up against Rob Turner, like, th that's the kind of experience we had, you know, going into my senior year. Like, you know, a room had gone against a guy who was Drew Brees's center you know as a freshman so it's not going to get better than that and you're seeing it as a freshman so you're seeing it as a freshman so that's what I'm saying like you know it was it was some some things there so I remember that game for sure uh sophomore year uh I think I got destroyed uh <laughs> by uh the center for that team up north uh Good kid. I don't know if his name was Wally or something like that. I can't remember. Was it Wally Sonny or was he? Uh, was like that yeah. Wally Sonny. He was their All-State center. And uh, I was uh, I had the unenviable task of replacing Darnell Hill, who lost after his junior year. Uh, he didn't come back for his senior year at Hawkins. So I actually was starting those. Uh, beginning of the year, and I just had a terrible, like, three-game stretch. I, I got destroyed by Wally. I got destroyed by Aurora. And I probably got destroyed by Perry. And uh, that when we get to that Newberry game, uh, and it triggered me because listening to Sean Powell, he got moved from free safety to nose that game. That's because I lost my starting job from playing. So um. And a lot of people don't remember this, but the real difference in that one-point game was me blocking an extra point. Nice. I was so pissed off from losing my starting nose tackle job that when I got in on punt, punt block um, or kick block, I made sure that that A-gap was mine. They could not do anything with me in that A-gap. And I was pushing that A-gap every play, like – I, I I was close. I mean, they put up 41 points, but I was close to blocking several of those kicks just from pushing that gap, just from losing my starting job, you know, to to my to my left guard, you know, who was a free safety. You know, I was <laughs> you know, so I was just I was just hurt over that, man. I was hurt. It, it stuck in my mind, and I just wanted to do anything that I could to impact that game. And I don't know if Coach Christie can go back and verify that. I don't know if I got the point for that block kick, but I blocked that kick, that extra point, and uh, that actually was the difference in that game. Yeah, hey, I was talking to um, to another alum about this, and it's so funny how people look at – like the last play or the last plays of the game as being the deciding thing. So someone might've been at that game and said, Oh, well, Jim Dempsey went over the top for the two point conversion and he won mm -hmm. us the game. But 
it's all of those moments that lead up to to put us in that situation so that it's a possibility. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, was that your only kick block in your career or had you did you get another one? As far as I know, I feel like I I had a little special incentive from from losing my starting job that game. Uh, And uh, like I said, it was a lot that game. That was my first time playing guard. So we're running up to the line. Jeff is telling me what to do. Cause I don't know what I'm doing. He's like, pull left, kick out the end. Like, you know, I'm like, all right. He's like, do it again. And I'm like, all right. Like, you know, calling all these plays. I don't know what I'm doing, trying to fill in for a room. So that Newberry game was probably like one of the most amazing games I've ever played in. Um, Kirtland, uh, sophomore year. Uh, we were playing for the championship that game uh, at Kirtland. Uh, I think that was a 28-14 them. They, yeah, they did get our number that year. Uh, Dusty Dykstra, forgot to mention him. I looked up to him, man. He was just an athlete, man. He uh, played basketball, uh, excellent wide receiver. Um. I, I remember particularly feeling for him and Jeff that game. Uh, never want to see our seniors go out like that. Um, I, I remember a lot of hype leading up to to Dusty that game because he was closing in on maybe one of OJ's records or something. He was like five, single season catches in a season. Yeah, yeah he for... was like five catches away. Everybody was writing about it and talking about it and. I just felt like he had a lot of individual pressure uh, put on him for that game. And I just remember just feeling so bad. Um, I remember a couple drops and a couple plays where they just, you know, caught us by a shoelace or something. And I just, I did not want to send Jeff and Dusty out like that. Those were, those were two, two guys on that, on that team that I had a lot of respect for. Um, I realized that they had a special connection, QB receiver, and uh, I honest, I took I took Jeff for granted. I took his greatness for granted. You know, like I didn't realize how good he was at quarterback, and I just if we could combine like how we were as an offensive line my senior year and having Jeff at quarterback and having Billy Brown and Matt Corn and Matt Roth. Like clicking at the same time, I just I can make a super team right now. (laughs) It's fun to talk about that, isn't it? It, You know, like I can make a super team like right now. And, you know, I just I didn't you know, you got to enjoy it while it lasts. But I just wish, you know, I or we had come together in that time for that championship. But again, that's that's going back to that Kirtland rivalry. Um we had kind of ended their stuff the year before, and we're planning for the championship the next year. They got our number, so now it's a kind of back and forth between Curtin. And, uh, you know, they heat. Rob Turner had a little brother, Matt Turner. Matt. So, you know, we're not done dealing with these Turners. So... <laughs> <laughs> So Kirtland to Purdue with pipeline going with the Turners. Pipeline, man. It's a pipeline. So um I, I I remember that definitely being a rivalry. Um and I remember that game uh sophomore year. 
uh, junior year. Um, not a lot that I remember about junior year, or at least that I want to remember. I remember we got we got three wins, but we had you know seven seven losses. Uh, like we said, we lost dropped a lot of close ones that year. Um, like I said, we were two heavy, bulky knee braces, uh, not beating the the backs to the point of attack. Um, just just not doing what we were supposed to do up front, man. And it just left it left a bad taste in all of our mouths. We I remember I particularly remember us having a very small senior class that year. It was maybe five or six guys. It was small. Ucats, Carreras, Knox, Marcus Fluellen. Oberdorfer uh, and Shanahan. I think that was the six. That, yeah. that was it. Kearney Shanahan. Um sw- swimmer, fullback. <laughs> but yeah, or Obi won. Yeah, Obi. That was my guy. But uh yeah, it was a small class, man. So as juniors, we put a lot of that weight on us, just knowing that, you know, we had starting experience from sophomore year. So it wasn't like we were looking to them to lead us, but we felt like we should have did a better job stepping up and uh, being leaders in, in our roles where we were at. Um, even though uh, I think Arun was captain as a junior. He was, yeah. Uh, that year. So, you know, he had an official leadership position. So, you know, that, that was good, but, you know, all of us, you know, we're trying to kind of find how we can impact that team from where we were at, and we just felt like we didn't do a good job of it. Um, I remember losing to those guys up north by two, uh, which hurt. That was at home. So this now leaves me over for my career against those guys up until that point. And, like, I was just – I just had it up to here with that. Um you know, offensive line segment, they had this kid, Jeremiah something. I think they used to call him House. And uh, he was kind of like their their big kid. Uh, threw against him and shot and dish. But I know Wes took it personal. He always wanted to uh, dominate that matchup against him. Always called him soft. <laughs> and he wanted to show it, you know. But... Uh, they they had our number, man. We 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 hadn't beat them all the way through my junior year. Had not beat those kids, and it bothered me because I came from Shaker, and they were laughable to me. Um, previously playing them in Shaker schools, you know, in my traveling league, fifth and sixth grade. Uh, Austin Carr's son, Jason Carr, was on that basketball team, and I just remember it being a few between. Uh, Shaker and University, because I believe there is their lower campus in Shaker. It is. So a lot of those kids know each other. Um, a lot of cross matchups with that, but you know, we just would blow them out. It was Shaker. We would just blow them out. It just we just dismissed them. So when I was coming to Hawk and I didn't understand why they were a rival. I'm like, these guys, them? I'm like, why? You know, but you know, I realized I wasn't out of school with, you know, 3,000 kids anymore and, you know, didn't have the same talent pool or whatever. And it just it was smaller school, Division five versus Division one. Like, I, I understood it. Like, OK, it's this is the small private school rivalry. 
Um, they're right up the road. And um, yeah, it just, it really, it really, it really burned me that we, I hadn't beat them since I was at Shaker, to, to put it like at that. Um, so yeah, we had to, we had to do something about that. So there we go. We got about a half a dozen or so memories that really stick out to you from a game standpoint in your first three seasons in the program. And we're going into now this 2000 senior campaign. Yes, sir. One in which, as you've mentioned already, you feel like you haven't quite hit your mark where you guys should be probably individually, but definitely collectively as a team. And so you guys talk about what sort of needs to change as far as the approach, both mentally, but also physically. And uh, you guys put in a good off season, a good summer leading into that campaign. And as, uh, as we're going to go game by game, um, the dominance, man, does it really start to show up and, uh, just a team that clicks and hits its mark together just at the same time. It's just, it was fun. It was fun to watch. It was fun to be a part of my friend. Yeah. Be a part of it. It felt like a combination of all our hard work, man. It just, it came together that year for us. And uh, I'll never forget it, man. It was a special time. So we start off and this is a, you know, as we fast forward, this is a 10 and two season and we'll get through it and talk about the playoffs and all that good stuff. But we will start off with a week one matchup against Field High School, a school that was, I think, two divisions bigger than us at the time. Uh-huh. And uh, a game in which, you know, as we had talked about your time as an offensive lineman and what that experience was like. And I had mentioned, you know, you might be able to stop us for a quarter, a half, you know, and this is kind of case in point of that because it was seven to seven at halftime mm -hmm. and uh, we really did our thing in the second half to pull away and win 28 to 14 a Absolutely. game in which I think we kind of tell the area hey look out for this rushing attack because it's week one it is a bigger school and we just put up 400 yards on the ground on them we did Memories of that first senior um, football contest? Uh, I just remember it being extremely hot. It was a home game Saturday. Uh, they had a really, really good defensive end. He was a... Uh, he was a good-sized dude. Yeah, he was probably like 6'4", 6'5". Uh, and I just remember him giving us a couple problems, but he, um, there was a play. I'm not sure if it was a waggle or if I was just peeling backside, but he was, he was coming. He was coming try on his backside pursuit of, uh, Jay Fry. And I, I really, I really was staring at him run full speed at me and, I was really questioning his ability to make a good business decision because <laughs> he really felt like he was going to run through me and get to fry and make a play. And I mean, I had no one on me. I was, I was hinging backside. I was just kind of just checking just to clean stuff up. 
and I was just sitting there waiting on him. And he tried to run through me, and I just I deleted him. I deleted him. <laughs> and uh, I, I felt like it changed their defense. It did because he had to go out, um, had to go go see the trainer, get some water, do what he did, and uh, I, I felt like that changed their defense a lot. And from there, we were just able to just kind of do what we did. And uh, yeah, he he made a bad business decision that day. To be the offensive lineman whose job is to, you know, step play side and then hinge and seal the backside. And you got this unsuspecting defensive player getting this grin like, oh, I'm going to run him down and Uh, then and then just meets his end. Oh, man, he just he just knew he was just going to run through me, Dan. Like I just I, I saw it in his face. I saw it. Like I could see it on his face. Like he really wanted to run through me. And I just, I was just going to like, this is not going to go how you think it's going to go. So, (laughs) and it didn't. And he had to go see someone about it. So um, I I, I definitely remember that from that game. And uh, I do remember just setting the tone. We definitely put up 404 yards on them. Um, so it was it was definitely a preview of things to come. So your classmate and tailback Matt Roth, who had some success as a junior, but talk about just ringing the alert bell for Geauga County in Northeast Ohio. He comes out, goes over two hundred thirty yards on less than twenty carries. Uh, talk about Matt Roth, the uh, the running back, and just the talent that he was. He is my favorite. I can't sugar-coated that's he's my guy um came from uh roxbury cleveland heights um he played with my first cousin uh, my first cousin is a year younger than me uh played with him at, at roxbury um and just coming in he just had swag man he has swag i i called him uh i called him white bread he called me wheat bread is just it's my brother, man, and uh, we we bonded over over music. You know, we uh, we both were No Limit fans. You know, we, we we love Master P, and his nickname was Tank. So you know, uh, just branding him that, and uh, he he was really a tank, man. He was one of our strongest kids. Uh, by the time everything was said and done, senior year. Uh, he got in that weight room and he set himself apart, man. Uh, he was so fast, so smooth, uh, made great reads. He made one cut and just float on you. I am. Yeah. I am glad you said one cut because when you think about good running backs, there's not one style, right? So there's a lot of different qualities that make a running back good. And when thinking about the best sort of, players to tote the rock for the Hawks in the program's history. There are so many different styles, but Matt's style coming out of that I formation, the majority of the time receiving that toss or that handoff and just putting the cleats in the ground and making one cut and hitting the hole clean. And that breakaway speed that you talk about, um, he was fun to watch. On the watch, man. And uh, 
he was just hungry, man. He wasn't very loud. He wasn't very vocal. It was he was more of a uh, watch what I do, not what I say, you know. And uh, he was all about that action. I, I, I love it. I love it. And, yeah, you uh, say you say swag. I think sometimes people misinterpret swag for like arrogant and vocal, and that was not him. But his yeah. body language and his demeanor leading up to, during, and after a game. Like you knew you didn't have to worry about anything becoming too big for him or him not doing his job. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, me and him, we, we just had that connection, man. I, I just always, I used to, I used to yell at him. You know, I used to want him to follow me. Sometimes he would, he want to get out there and dance a little bit. I just like, look, follow me, man. I got you. And, uh, you know, he, he pumped me up, man. He just, he 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 loved seeing me hit. He loved seeing me demolish people. You know, he would he would kind of give me give me those pep talks like I need it. I need it today. You know, and uh, I I was always ready to go to battle for him, man. That's that's my guy. So one and zero going into week two. Week two against that uh, that rival down Psalm Center Road University School. And as you had mentioned, uh, just a nasty taste in your mouth of being 0-3 at this point. And uh, as I had mentioned, you, your classmates, your teammates, changing the mental and the physical approach going into the senior campaign. Uh, I imagine that there was quite a bit of uh, – focused thought and focused effort throughout the preseason going into this contest here in week two against university school. Oh, it was on and popping Dan. It, it couldn't be any other way. This was our last chance to uh, get this monkey off our back. And that's, that's what we had to do. Um, I, I didn't sleep well that, that week. I was I was anxious. I, we could have we could have played that game on any of those days leading up to that Saturday. I was ready to go. Um, I we just knew it was going to be different this time, and we were going to impose our will, and that's what, exactly what we wanted to do. Um, you know, they say in those rivalry games, like records and all that stuff is out the window. Like it was just out the window this game. We didn't care who they were bringing, what they were doing. They were just going to have to see us that day. So a game in which uh, we travel over to their campus on Saturday and uh, we couldn't match the 404 on the ground that we did in the first week, but uh, 382 will be pretty darn close Uh, and just toss power, toss power counter. Uh, I mean, just uh, absolute ground attack that afternoon it was a route it was a route they couldn't do anything with this and uh another one of those uh those connections uh their quarterback tucker kane played travel basketball with me for shaker before he transferred to university so when i found out he was at university it was it was on so just one of those, you know, personal, personal matchups that, you know, wanted to come out on top, you know, just wanted to come out on top. Um, Gary Copeland was their running back. His older sister, Kim, went to Hawking. And 
we were we were always giving him like, how dare you choose not to follow in your sister's footsteps? You made the wrong decision and we're going to show you why. So we definitely had a target on him that game. And uh, one of my preschool best friends, Robert Carey, ended up going to university and playing for them. And I don't know why they stuck him on the line, but he he was just the beneficiary of the rivalry it was I didn't want to do it to him but I had to (laughs) (laughs) he was looking at me like man Jay you don't have to do this man I was like wrong place wrong time buddy yeah I I do but I do so he had a long day um (laughs) to say the least but you know it was it was kind of those things that you know put a little extra seasoning on top of it for me but uh just in general just just to get that off of our backs to finally be able to order one of those wet red and white shirts oh. with the score. Still got it. Still wear it. Still got it. Still wear it. I, um, yeah, I needed that shirt. I needed that shirt and I was able to finally get it. Jason, you put that shirt on and the memories come back and you think about just the ground attack you think about that 80 whatever degrees just hot day over there and just the sense of accomplishment as you and your classmates and uh and and the team just went to work business trip and executed the the plan of attack perfectly and 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 got that win in such a convincing fashion it was it was a thing of beauty it was, it was, it was a sigh of relief, man. Um, I just remember being so happy, man, that we had finally, finally did it. And that's how we, we went out. We went out on top of those guys. And uh, that's, that's special, man. Um, especially talking rivalry games, like, you know, you, you look at uh, Ohio State, Michigan, you, you look at Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Baltimore, like you want to win those games. Like there's just no other way around it. You just got to win those games. And if you don't, it's going to sit with you for the next 365. And uh, yeah, we just, we have been sitting for it for too many of those. So uh, it was time. It was time. And uh, yeah, you guys did it, man. That was awesome. Uh, so two and oh, heading into a week three home contest against the Lancers, Gilmore Academy. Oh, wait, back to back. This is also a, a, another foreshadowing. So the first game of the, of the year, Matt Roth got player of the week. Yeah. And that U.S. game. Corrin, right? Yeah. Is, so a little foreshadowing of what's to come with this one-two punch that we didn't even know we were sitting on yet. Yeah, so Corin's, uh offensive kind of coming out party right there as a uh, against the preppers there. I mean, he had he had logged some uh, varsity starts for sure on the defensive end as a freshman, and then going into the sophomore year, definitely counting on him to continue that. But then having him be that that number two punch when Roth uh, would get a series or a playoff, and man, he really uh, showed himself. Uh, to be more than capable to carry that rock. And if you look at that U.S. Uh, box score, you know, I said 382 on the ground. I mean, 
Roth and Corin and McCreary and uh, Pat Murphy. And it didn't matter. Greg Guyron. Guyron, yeah. It didn't matter. Anybody who touched it, they were moving it. And I mean, Corin talks about it. hey, that's you. That's you and your teammates up front, man. And Mike George at tight end. That is the crew up front doing doing their job and paving the way. So whatever talented uh, back we put that ball in their hands, uh, we were gaining yards. That's it. He, uh, Corn had it 10 times for 81. So talk about having an 8.1. That'll work. Per carry. Come on, man. Like So that week three contest is a 35-0 shutout against Gilmore. Um, another – another contest in which we go over 350 on the ground and uh corin continues to show himself to be just a second just huge weapon for us on the ground in addition to matt roth and uh, any anytime you can take down the lancers and shut them out that's fantastic and and this funny man i don't think we ever lost to them uh my time there so I didn't really feel like that was a real rivalry because it was so lopsided all the time. But sure. I, I get they were up the they were up the street too, so I get it. But yeah, they they had a long day that day. Yeah, and this was uh, the first uh, the first game where both Roth and Corin went over the hundred yard mark in the same contest. Yes, sir. That one two punch. You know, and you talk about the first two weeks we had those two guys um, alternate player of the week recognition, a little bit of that perfume, cut it out and put it on our uh, football board in the hallway. Week three, we do it again, but it's not (laughs) one of those two. It is Wes Wilson. So to have an offensive lineman register a player of the week honor for the News Herald is probably one of the most respectful uh actions a local newspaper can do to just say uh, your backs are good and we recognized them the last two weeks <laughs> and now we're going to start picking some of those offensive linemen that are leading the way for you guys because after Is three weeks after three weeks and you're already over like 800 yards on the ground as a team it was more than that oh yeah you said after three weeks yeah, after those first three games, we were over 800. Where we? Easily. I, that was more like 1,000, wasn't it? Uh, it would be, yeah, because it would be what? 404, 382, 354, yeah. So, yeah, we're closer to 1,200. Yeah, so I don't know why the News Herald's throwing 800 out like that was the figure. Should have gone yeah. higher, make it look better. Yeah, they, they shorted us. <laughs> so, <laughs> so 3-0. and oh. And we got uh, we got our thing going, and uh, so Corn that... had seven for one eleven. That's sick. Say that again. How many carries? Seven for one eleven. Yikes! I had fifteen for one twenty eight. McCray had seven for forty eight. Like, come on. Right. Yeah, what, what it should have said is after three games, it was 1,100 yards, over 1,100. There you go. So week four, uh, a home contest against uh, Wycliffe, a team that is uh, really tough and uh, a quarterback that for two years, this year being the first and then next year in the 01 season, just 
gave us fits. Um, a game in which we uh, come up on the short end by way of 28 to 13. Yeah, this one didn't sit well with me. Um, our only blemish on the regular season, uh, like you said, Chris Hoos. They said Hoos was loose. I'll I, I never forget that. And uh, I remember being like inches away from grabbing them or whatever and him just breaking down and scooting out of there and using his legs to create and get the first down. It was just so frustrating as a defensive tackle, uh, how good he was and how he was able to be so evasive and keep plays going. Um, and one thing about the offense that game, I don't know, they must have scouted us just really well. They were, they were reading me pretty good on my pulls. Uh, I just felt like they were they were there every time we tried to do a counter or a power or something. I just felt like maybe we should have like attacked them maybe more head on, maybe hit them with more so dives or or bellies or something like that. But they were they were kind of reading our misdirection plays like really really well that game. Uh, but yeah, that's 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 kind of all I remember for that. I just remember being really upset that we that we dropped one because one of our goals was to go undefeated that senior year. Yeah, that was a uh, that was a temporary setback. Um Wycliffe was good, man, at the beginning of the 2000s. They were a they were a a, a good team for sure. Yeah. Uh so sitting there with that first loss and then uh having a matchup against Orange and getting that win 30 to 14. Um, one where we get some, uh, some spreading the love on the uh, scoreboard. Roth ends up in the end zone. Sam McCreary, fullback linebacker, he, uh, he takes uh, a short little run up the middle for a score. And uh, Mike George, tight end defensive end, one of your classmates, scores by way of a reception, but also registers a safety later in the game. And then Pat Murphy, who was a slot back uh, for you guys. Absolutely. So we get back into that W column and uh, game six is coming up. After that canceled check. Right. And that's, uh, that's sometimes one of the hardest things to do as a high school kid, right? Is to have the maturity to, to cancel yes, that right. and to move on to the next one and not let one become two. Cause that was a setup game. Orange was actually pretty good. I remember them having like a back or somebody that was actually pretty decent, but, uh, well, you know what, Jason, they did not have a great record, but if you look back and think about the schools they were playing in 2000, they were mm -hmm. playing some stud stud teams. Mm. Yeah. For sure. So this Cardinal game, uh, one in which uh, we get back up into that high 300-yard rushing uh, category. Uh, your, your classmate and senior quarterback, Justin Fry, with the efficient 5-for-5 five five performance at, at quarterback and uh, just getting a nice 49-18 uh, victory. All our score, all of our scoring done in the first three quarters, and then uh, they, letting, they, letting some of the young kids get in. 
they 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 caught one that game. I don't know what was going on. I think that was the Thursday night game where we, where we had the Jewish holiday. It's either Yom Kippur, Rosh Hashanah, or okay, whatever. Yeah. And uh, we did the Thursday night game uh, to accommodate that. And, uh, yeah, they came out, and it, it was ugly from the jump. I remember uh, Jim Solstice being their running back. He was pretty good. Oh, they had a good running game themselves. Mm-hmm. I remember, uh, and I, I remember this name. Eric Garling was their lineman, their captain, offensive lineman, and I, I had this game circled because I threw against him, and we were we were pretty close. He's a big boy. Yeah, he's a big boy. We were pretty close in distance as far as our throws, but any anybody that I played against in any other sport like I had a circle like I had to let them know that they were going to be dominated that day and uh I, I remember getting a couple of traps on him uh, yeah I he he got deleted a couple of times that game and it, it felt good because you know they were they were talking him up in the papers too and uh yeah I took I took it personal I took that matchup personally yeah that's awesome so uh we stay we stay in that uh, that deep Geauga County matchup, go from Cardinal to Berkshire, and we put up 34 on them to their seven. And just another game where the offense is clicking, super efficient. Um, a little bit more spread out uh, than we've been thus far through you know the first six weeks. Ground heavy, under 100 through the air, not having to go to it, you know, really more than 10, 10 attempts a game. And uh, the Berkshire game, we we open it up a little bit and uh, Fry goes over that 100-yard mark for, I think, the first time that season. And uh, just a game where uh, Roth and Sam McCreary uh, just have an uh, outstanding, outstanding contest. Absolutely. Um, I remember <laughs> that game was really like ugly because we had one of those Cleveland days in October where it was raining, sleeting, snowing, uh, all in the same day. It was the week before homecoming. So we're trying to figure out how is it snowing this early? (laughs) Um, I think I changed at halftime. Like I put on, I had to put on like my practice pants and my practice cleats to go with my stuff just because I was just completely muddy and just filthy it was just like one of those yuck them up games but uh, I remember they had a linebacker by the name of Tom uh, he was number 30 what was Tom's last name Zap Tom Zap he uh he was another thrower and talk about fair play um Larry Wilson senior, he didn't, he didn't, dis, he didn't discriminate. Like if you wanted to come learn something from him, he would let kids come up there and practice with us. So Tom used to come up and throw with us. And he was another person that was kind of close to me in distance. So, you know, I was very familiar with him. Um, he wasn't there this year, but the year before he was a year older than us. And I got to shout him out. Dan Taylor. Oh, my goodness. Oh, Another one of those. That guy's a legend <laughs> over there. 
he's the biggest, like another one of the biggest people I've ever seen in my life. Like, I mean, you talk about a guy who is in the Hall of Fame at Ohio State, you know, Team USA shot and disc, like has this Division Three uh, record for this still over 200. Um, and I saw him throw this at West West G during the uh, CVC uh, championship meet. They ran out of tape. <laughs> the tape only goes to 199. Right. They had to measure it and then like wrap it up and like go from where they measured off at. They ran out of tape. I'd never seen anything like that in my life. And when we talk about how good Larry Jr. was, that record had stood all the way until Dan broke it. So, I mean, I I was just surrounded by all these phenomenal athletes coming through because you know, of the Wilsons, like <laughs> the Wilsons connected me to all these people and, you know, to compete against Dan and to play against Dan and for that to be a personal matchup for West, because West could have obviously been at Berkshire and not at Hawking. Uh, you know, that was a game I always had a circle for him because I know that game meant a little extra to him. So for sure. Yeah. Hey, Jason, similar to that Dan Taylor, uh, not enough tape measure story. Uh, Larry Wilson was a year ahead of me. Fantastic thrower, especially in the discus. Uh, just had a body built perfectly for hitting that spin and letting that thing just come off so clean. Mm-hmm. And my dad helped out with the uh, home track meets and he had the discus. And I, I'm not sure which year it was, if it was Larry's junior year. Um, I'm thinking that's what it was. And so I was out uh, basically spotting and marking the mm-hmm. uh, landings on the discus throw. And the discus cage is in a different configuration than it currently is. But Larry got loose on one and I had enough tape measure. The problem was he put the thing about five feet into the tree line. Mm. So <laughs> it's kind of like... Uh, Whatever he measured that day, he probably should have had a you know a couple extra inches on, but uh, the uh, the tall grass and the tree line knocking it down. That's, it's just amazing, man, being around that sort of talent. You know, mm-hmm. being an ACC champion at UVA, like you know, like uh, he coached me. You know, like I I was the beneficiary of that. You know, and as far as like pregame traditions, like I didn't okay. So after the team breakfast, when I walked into the facility, I didn't talk to anybody. I, I was almost like KG mode. Like, don't say anything to me. Don't I'm in my zone. Like I was taking my test. I was, I was, you know, scripting my plays. Once I turned that in, my headphones were on and I was in my zone. Like, I just know I, I didn't talk to any of my teammates before the game. I just I kind of went into my own world and I would literally be the last one to be ready. I would be the last one. Your dad's version of figuring out if they had gone through uh, the ready teams, the groups was asking if they had me, if I was here. He's like, do we got Roberts? 
<laughs> and <laughs> if if they said yes and I was here, then he knew that the team was ready to go because I took so long to get ready. I don't know what it was, <laughs> but I just believed in that. If you look good, you play good. He, I mean, coach believed in that. I took pride in it. You know, I, I actually watch my practice stuff every day. Every day. Nothing I took wrong with that. And I put them in every day just because I took that much pride in in that statement from your dad, you know, and uh, it was a process for me laying that equipment out, putting it on. It was it was the best. It was the best. It was nothing like it. 